You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, your team every day. That's our motto here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, and be sure to follow me. Julian Council on Twitter at Julian Council, where on Fridays I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions. You participate this week in the weekly Friday mailbag on Locked On Panthers, either at me or DM me over on Twitter at Julian Council. Today's episode of Locked On Panthers is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. Have you ever in your life dreamed of becoming an NFL general manager and managing your own football franchise? Well, then this is the game definitely for you. To download the game, just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up in the App Store. My listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. So the Carolina Panthers off to... I think a very positive start to the offseason. Is there anyone out there who's not excited about the season, seeing who's now coaching the team, seeing the players that have come to Carolina over the past nine days of free agency? I don't know what there really is to be negative about outside of, all right, the wide receiver core, even with Adam Thielen being added on Sunday night, is among the league's worst. And that's not just me saying that. Any objective national media personality, I know a lot of you are going to say, those guys are not objective at all. They hate our team. No, 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 no. Anyone out there who is really just looking at this team without black and blue colored glasses is going to see that, all right, while Terrace Marshall has potential, and while Shai Smith has been able to show some things, and same thing with LaVishka Chenault, those three plus Adam Thielen... Just not enough. And the Carolina Panthers need to add to that group, but it's going to be a building process. And if you're drafting a quarterback, which they're going to do at number one overall, it's going to take longer than one offseason to find all the right pieces. Now, let's not sit here 10 years from now and be having the same conversation. Let's do the best they can do this offseason, which I think so far they have a feeling, and maybe they'll sign DJ Chark, and I imagine they'll draft a wide receiver their 39th overall in the draft next month. And with that, that's about as... Much you can ask, plus Hayden Hurst and Miles Sanders. Outside of that, there's a lot of positive things going on with this football team. And there was a a tweet out there I saw, I think, from, um, who was it, Sheena? Um, who, what that guy, Sheena Quick. Yeah, Sheena Quick, who does a great job covering the team. And she had posted, I guess there was a survey put out there, or something was put out, some sort of data on the most negative fan bases on social media. And the Panthers are up there in the top five. Well, that's because Matt Rule is here. And the team... Hasn't been to the playoffs since 2017, and of course, there's plenty of people, for whatever reason, find something to be upset about with this team every single day, and I'm not saying that's the majority of people, because the Twitter and, and Facebook and all that, it's that echo chamber, it's a very small percentage of the actual fan base, and I talk to plenty of Panther fans who don't live their lives on Twitter and on Facebook, who don't constantly feel as bad about this team as some of the people I sometimes have to interact with on a semi-daily basis, or a lot of us have to interact with. So there's a lot of things to be positive about with the Carolina Panthers, I think, through the first nine days of free agency, but really since the 
offseason started. They've done a lot of good things. And back before the offseason started, I went out there, and I guess really beginning of offseason, I went out and put out an offseason to-do list back in January. So today I want to update on what the Carolina Panthers have done so far and also talk about what I still need them to check off as far as it goes with the draft, free agency, and just overall here in Carolina. But the first to-do thing, the first thing on the to-do list Carolina Panthers needed to check off was hiring a coaching staff, and they've gone out and they've hired one of the best staffs in the NFL. And a ton of credit to David Tepper and Nicole Tepper for giving Scott Fitterer and, of course, Frank Reich, who was hired here to Carolina, the resources to go out there and hire the best staff possible. Like looking offensively, Thomas Brown, who interviewed for the head coaching job in Houston, he's now here coming from that Sean McVay offense with L.A. McVay did not want to lose this guy. And Jordan Rodriguez, who used to cover the Carolina Panthers for both the Athletic and the Observer, she told us that last month, maybe earlier this month when we spoke to her, and that was the case. And now he's here in Carolina to collaborate with Frank Reich. Do stay is here as the assistant head coach and of course the running backs coach and he's already shown his influence he was in that interview with Thomas Brown and Frank Reich and a lot of these other coaching interviews that they've had since he was hired here in Carolina and of course Miles Sanders who played with him or really for him back in Philadelphia he's now here in Carolina because Deuce Staley said hey we need a running back. Miles Sanders, that's my guy. Let's bring him here to Carolina. So Brown, Staley, Josh McCown, who's coming in a little green as far as coaching at this level will be his first time. When you have Thomas Brown around him, do Staley, Frank Reich, Parks Frazier, who's the passing game coordinator, called plays last year for interim head coach, Jeff Saturday in Indianapolis, Sean Jefferson, whose son is Van Jefferson, but Sean Jefferson, a veteran wide receiver from playing in the NFL. He's now over here, and this one actually really hurt me deep down inside. John Lilly, who comes over from UNC to be the tight ends coach, Coach, and he did an excellent job with the tight ends at North Carolina. So when I saw he got hired in Carolina, I was like, all right, cool. That's good. At least if he's going to leave the Tar Heels, let it be the Panthers. But damn, I really still wish he was there in Chapel Hill. I think that's a fantastic hire by the Carolina Panthers. Oh, yeah. By the way, Jim Caldwell is here in a senior offensive role, and he's going to basically be kind of Frank Reich's right-hand man who's also living out in the shadows and making sure that everything is working here in Carolina. I wanted them to trade up in the draft to get a rookie quarterback. Now, I did not want them to trade up to number one because I did not feel like any of these guys were worth the number one pick, and I still don't feel that way, but I understand why they did it, especially when you think about the compensation and reporting that's been out there, that if Carolina's going to move up to five or three, it wasn't going to be that far from what they had to do to get up to number one with Chicago by swapping the number nine pick to the number one pick, giving up that 61st overall right there in the second round, which they got in the McCaffrey trade to San Francisco, giving up their first round pick next year, 2025 second rounder, and DJ Moore. That's the one that really hurts the most to lose DJ, especially when you think about, okay, 2024 wide receiver, that might be one of the top priorities. Can't get one in the first round now that DJ Moore is gone. And of course you had to trade up to number one. So that's kind of where we're sitting there. But the Panthers now control the draft. The Panthers are now relevant for the first time in a long time in the entire NFL world. Every day is talking about the Carolina Panthers and who they're going to take. When pro days go on for um, Anthony Richardson and Will Levis and Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, the conversation is going to surround who are the Panthers going to take. That is going to be the conversation for the next five-plus weeks here in Carolina and across the NFL world. So the Panthers need to trade up, get the rookie quarterback, and David Tepper said, you know what? get all the way up to the top of the draft to ensure that we get our guy and give us the option to potentially move back if we love two guys or even three guys in this draft. Now, before they do that, they needed to bring in a veteran backup, and they've done that with Andy Dalton. I said Dalton, uh, Jacoby Brissett, 
who's now in Washington, Sam Darnold, who's now in San Francisco. I'll take any of those three. Just give me someone who can be that bridge if you need him to play, but also that can be a mentor who has experience having started in this league at a young age, which Darnold had and Andy Dalton had in Cincinnati being their starter when he first got into the league as a rookie. And that was brought up by Scott Fitter on Monday when speaking to the media, how Andy Dalton's been in the situation that the rookie is going to come into Carolina. Now, the rookie might not start day one, even if he does or doesn't, Andy Dalton can relate to the situation just like Josh McCown can relate as far as, hey, he's played in the league. Now, he has not played nearly as much as Andy Dalton has in the NFL, but he has that experience, and Dalton has even more of it, having played more and also being in the same situation that the rookies are going to likely come in here to Carolina. The top priority going into the offseason, re-signing Bradley Bozeman, the Carolina Panthers, have done that three years, $18 million, $10 million guaranteed. That's his signing bonus, plus a 2023 salary, then $4 million of 2024. The out is after the 2024 season. So Bradley Bozeman going to be here this year and next year at the very least. And I hope he's here as long as the Carolina Panthers want him, as long as he wants to be here, and as of course, as long as he's healthy and contributing, because he certainly has turned into – one of the key pieces of this Carolina Panthers offense, especially thinking about a rookie quarterback coming in this situation. Now, this one will kind of surprise you in a way, but I did write this down. I don't think I went over it in the initial offseason to-do list because it had already happened. Uh, but re-signed J.J. Jansen, the longest-tenured Carolina Panther, a core special teamer, actually a leader within this locker room, the man that Matt Rule tried and failed to replace by drafting Thomas Sanders out of Alabama in the sixth round two times. He tried to replace J.J. Jansen back in 21. Didn't work. Last year, didn't work. J.J. Jansen is flawless. You cannot get rid of this man, him in the number 44, put it in the Hall of Honor one day. Maybe. Kind of kidding. But also, that would be super awesome that happened. But one year, $1.3 million. J.J. Jansen back here in a, an improved special teams unit with him as one of the specialists, along with Johnny Hecker. And we're still trying to figure out who the kicker is going to be. More on that later. But bring back J.J. Jansen thought that was an important signing because you can lose games if a guy has a bad snap on an important field goal or extra point late in the game. J.J. Jansen, that's not a problem here in Carolina. Never has been and hard to see it ever being a problem. Pass catching tight end. The Panthers had to do something. It could not be Ian Thomas who took a pay cut. could not just be Tommy Trimble. They needed to get someone who actually has done it at the NFL level. And they did that with a former first-round pick in Hayden Hurst. Three years, $21.75 million. $13 million guaranteed. Is he the best tight end in the NFL? No. But he's someone who has played competitive, fo competitive football last year in Cincinnati and was a key piece of that offense that has a ton of receivers. Hayden Hurst is out there playing his role, holding his own. Now he's here in Carolina, back in the Carolinas after going to South Carolina, playing for the Gamecocks. Happy to have him. And then one of them, the last one I'm going to bring up here that the Carolina Panthers have so far done on my offseason to-do list that I felt like might have actually been one of the most important. Because really, if you look at it, okay, you got to hire a coach. All of that's important. Making sure you have the right foundation around the quarterback as far as the offense goes defensively. Bringing in Jero Averro, Jonathan Cooley to be coach uh, secondaries. Todd Washer in a defensive line. Tim Lukabu with outside linebackers. Spear Hansen inside linebackers. D'Angelo Hull going to be assistant cornerbacks coach. we got Burt Watts working with the safeties. Oh, yeah, and the first ever, pa ever Panthers coach, Dom Capers, is back here in a senior defensive role. Like, it's important to get the right staff. It's also important to, you know, make sure you're in position to get a quarterback because the biggest thing about this offseason outside of bringing in a new regime is getting your franchise quarterback and Bozeman he was huge man Shaq Thompson 
is a leader on this team. He's played on a lot of bad football teams, but he's always been consistent. He's played injured. He's come out, been a leader on this team. He's really played well the last couple of seasons. That's someone I did not want to see leave Carolina, especially when you look at the linebacker situation. Because it's him, it's Frankie, and that's basically it. Now that Damian Wilson is gone, uh, we also have Corey Littleton as a free agent. Maybe he comes back here. I heard someone mention that that could be an option still for the Carolina Panthers. And Brandon Smith, haven't seen enough out of him to believe that he's ready to step up and be in that starting role. If they let Shaq Thompson go, I don't know what they were going to do at that position other than maybe sign someone cheap and draft a linebacker. But at what point in the draft would they be able to do that? That would be a question had Shaq Thompson not re-signed on a two-year, $12.6 million deal taking a pay cut. And he had said on Twitter, would you take a pay cut at your job? But Shaq wanted to be in Carolina. He wanted to be here for this turnaround, for this rebuild, which I don't think is going to be that big of a build compared to what it looked like in 2020 when the former guy here took over in Carolina and they, they cutted the roster, but also a lot of those guys just wanted to leave anyways. Eight and a half million guaranteed, by the way, signing bonus. 2023 salary fully guaranteed and 2 million of his 2024 salaries also fully guaranteed. They added a couple of void years in 2025, 26 and 27. They're free of some cap space for the Panthers and the cap hit was the big question. 24.4 million what it was previously now down to 14.06 million dollars. Happy to have Shaq here. That was a deal that needed to get done. I was not really talking about, you know, what's, you know, renegotiate or rework or whatever it is. I wanted well I didn't want them to cut him and then bring him back. I wanted the Carolina Panthers to find a way to rework that deal, renegotiate that deal, however you want to put it, to make sure he was back here in a Panthers uniform in 2023 and beyond. So they've done all those things, and I'm happy about that because I asked him to do those things. And they also did all the things I asked him to do in free agency last week in the free agency primer. But there's still... Plenty left to do heading into the draft and through the rest of the offseason and free agency. We'll go over what's left for the Carolina Panthers to do this offseason here in just a moment on Locked on Panthers. But before we get there, y'all, the men's and women's tournaments are heating up. And now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drain. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So what's left to do for the Carolina Panthers the rest of this offseason? Well, they're going to have to sign the rookie class. They're going to have to, of course, go through the draft. There's other things to focus on before they even get there. And we actually heard some news about one of the things remaining on my to-do list, and that's to extend Brian Burns. Scott Fitter, the Panthers general manager, told the media on Monday when meeting with them that they likely wouldn't have a deal in place until after the draft. Right now, Brian Burns is going to make – just over $16 million here in 2023 on that fifth-year option, which he absolutely deserves. Back-to-back Pro Bowls. The man is a stud. He's one of the players, the Carolina Panthers, during what people thought might be a fire sale back in October. He's one of the guys that said, nope, two first-rounders, we're good. We want Brian Burns. We're trying to build around Brian Burns. He's one of our leaders. He's also 
one of the youngest emerging pass rushers in the league, and you think about it, um, that's one of the top positions that you need on your roster. And looking around the rest of the roster, the Panthers don't have somebody you can really depend on to go out there and to rush the passer and to be as energetic and as good of a leader as Brian Burns is in this, on this roster and in his locker room. So why would they give that up? And they have not done that. Now, when you do that, you decide that, okay, we love Brian. We're not going to trade him away for two first-round picks. You got to pay the man, and you got to pay him what he wants. And I think the Panthers will do that in due time, but that time will not be until sometime after the draft. And I do believe that the deadline is usually July 15th to work on an extension for a play, well, now that's a franchise tag, so never mind. I actually don't know when the deadline actually is, so ignore that. I don't know when a deadline is. If there is a deadline for to uh, extend a guy who was playing on their fifth-year option, now we saw last year DJ Moore, he got his deal done around this time in March, whereas Brian Burns, it's going to be a lot more money. The Panthers are, well, primarily focused on going out there and evaluating the quarterbacks and then filling out the rest of the roster through the draft and free agency. Then they'll decide, all right, hey, what do we want to pay Brian? Because get that done now. I don't want them to sit there and mess around and Brian Burns goes out there, has 20 sacks, goes all pro, and then he's out in the market and they're like, all right, we're going to do the fifth-year option. Let's not do that. Not the fifth-year option, rather, the franchise tag. Don't do the franchise tag. Pay the guy what he's worth. And Brian Burns, get what you're worth. If they don't want to pay you what you're worth, then hold out until you get the money. Now, not hold out as far as don't come to activities, and all that kind of stuff. I'm saying hold out as far as signing a deal until they give you what you want. But the Carolina Panthers, they got to bring back Brian Burns. And I really don't know what kind of leverage they have at all based on what I said earlier with them deciding that, nope, two first-round picks, I'd rather have Brian Burns. And I'm also players over picks anyways, and who knows whether those picks would have ended up being high enough to replace Burns, but even you know better, the guys who they eventually took, than what Brian Burns has been for the Carolina Panthers. Now, it's not just Burns who the Panthers need to work on as far as extending and going out there and taking care of financially. Derek Brown, fifth-year option, deadlines May 1st. He had an excellent year last year in his year three, you know, taking that jump from year two to three, finally seeing Derek Brown, excuse me, be, I might have said Derek Burns, didn't mean saying that, finally seeing Derek Brown be the kind of player that we hoped he would be out of Auburn when they drafted him seventh overall during that pandemic 2020 draft. Awesome player. Want him here in Carolina for as long as we can have him. Now, he's going to fall into the tier three of the uh, salary as far as it goes, the 50-year options, it consists of players who played at least 75% of snaps in two of their first three years. Uh, also, guys who have either crossed the uh, 50% snap barrier in each of the, their initial three slates. Um, well, hold on, let me do that again. Tier three consists of players who played at least 75% in two of their first three seasons. Those who average at least 75% snap share through the three seasons or those who have crossed the 50% snap barrier in each of their initial three slates. So that is absolutely Derek Brown because he's been a starter every year. I think he's missed like maybe one game game if he's even missed a game at all here in Carolina he would be set to make 11.67 million dollars in 2024 if the Carolina Panthers do in fact exercise his fifth year option now had he already been like an all pro or something like that it would have been 18 mil and that's of course a seven million dollar difference the Panthers should very easily be able to do this with Derek Brown after what he's shown and also the fact that they did not want to trade him away it's a very simple decision for them to go out there and do the same thing with DJ Moore a year ago. Same thing with Brian Burns 
um, a year ago, or at least well, two years ago, with DJ Moore, and then last year, Brian Burns. This is a no-brainer. If you gave Sam Darnold a fifth-year option without even watching him play, you got to give Derek Brown his fifth-year option as well. Now, one thing we have not really discussed is what's going to happen at kicker. I said I want them to re-sign Eddie Pinheiro. The Panthers have not made a decision on either taking Pinheiro and bringing him back or releasing Zane Gonzalez. Now, if they did release Zane Gonzalez, whether it was pre- or post-June 1st, they're going to save about $1.7 million against the salary cap. My thought process is, all right, you got a good kicker in Zane Gonzalez. You had a good kicker in Eddie Pinheiro, who's made, like, what, like 20 straight field goals? The dude has not missed since he, unfortunately helped cost him the game in Atlanta and that overtime heartbreaker uh, back in October. So you have not – you don't have a bad kicking situation. Gonzalez, though, has not been able to stay healthy. He had the issue where he slipped on the turf last year and he have slipped on frozen field in Buffalo the year prior. And he's had the groin and the hamstring and all that kind of stuff. So you wonder about his durability. Pinheiro, he's also had an injury history in the past, but he came out there and he bounced back after a lot of people were like, oh, cut the kicker. No. Make him walk back my 85 from Atlanta back to Charlotte, but don't cut him. And he went out there, and he made up for it, and he was excellent the rest of the way. One of the best kickers in the NFL in 2022. But do you bring him back? Do you bring Zane Gonzalez back as well? Like, what do you do? I think that they bring they should keep Gonzalez under contract and then sign Pinheiro to a deal and let them compete. Now, there could be a team out there that wants to sign Eddie Pinheiro. And right now, I've not seen a team do that. Now, the Panthers have to be cognizant of that as well. And they also have to understand that Chris Tabor is the one who suggested him. And Chris Tabor absolutely nailed that. And when you're hearing Frank Reich say, hey, Chris Tabor can be a head coach in this league one day, maybe you should listen and value his opinion even more when it comes down to, hey, who would you rather have, Pinheiro or Gonzalez? Now, you worked far more with Pinheiro because you've been with him in the past in Chicago and this past season who do you think is the best kicker? Like, how do we handle the situation? That's something that Scott Fitterer and obviously um, Frank Reich should also be asking him as they try to make this decision. I saw someone put out a report about this. I have not seen anyone else report on what the Panthers can do at kicker. I had Googled it before. Haven't seen anything about that. So I still think they should sign Pinheiro. If it's possible to do that, if it makes any sense to be able to have two guys under contract, have them battle it out because competition, iron sharp, sharpens iron, pressure makes diamonds. I would love to see it happen in Carolina to ensure the Panthers are going to have a good kicker and there's no concern heading into 2023, especially at a position that used to be an annual question after letting Graham Gano leave for whatever reason. And one other thing, too, bringing in a veteran cornerback. I talked about Rock Yashin, uh, Rock Yassin, excuse me, on Monday, who played for Frank Reich in Indianapolis, had a good year last year in Las Vegas. Could he be someone who comes in and gets a visit? They might be signing him to like a one-year deal. Is there someone out there? Because right now we have just not seen enough. And Scott Fitter was asked about how they would line up with some of the guys out there with like Jeremy Chin and his new position being more of a big nickel, um, kind of that dime linebacker, how they're going to utilize him and saying, okay, JC can play in the slide. You can have CJ Henderson out there on the outside. Same thing with Dante Jackson. C.J. Henderson, he's fine as that number three, I guess. Not really. He's made plenty of mistakes even when he was in there when Dante and J.C. were healthy. And Keith Taylor has not been much better either when called upon. The Panthers need a veteran. They need another corner out there who we can actually you know, feel a little bit better about compared to the other guys. And a lot better would be preferable. So I think the Panthers need to go out there, find a veteran, at least to bring in. And whether they make the roster or not, they got to find somebody to try and push these other guys to get them to that next level because we have not seen it from Henderson or Taylor in their two years here in Carolina. And again, from Monday, a couple of the other needs that Scott Fitter brought up were like 
they could get a big defensive lineman, finding someone to stop the run, especially at the edge on the outside. That's been a need for the last two years. Another edge rusher, I would think that's probably going to come by the draft. And I did go over some edge rushers on Monday. There's plenty of options. Now can they come in for the right price? We will see vertical speed at wide receiver. Could that be DJ Chark? That would be awesome for Carolina. Also an inside linebacker. They've talked about that. And I'm thinking, this is me just saying this now, a wide receiver in the draft maybe too, but definitely one right now at 39th overall coming up here in the draft next month in April. So those are what's left to do for the Carolina Panthers on my offseason to-do list. Now we know the Carolina Panthers are going to draft a quarterback, and we know that the top two are C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. Well, a couple of mock draft 3.0s came out on Tuesday with, of course, one taking Bryce Young and the other taking C.J. Stroud. I'm wondering in my head, which of those would cause the least controversy among Carolina Panthers fans on socials and out here in the real world? We'll talk about that here in just a moment on Locked on Panthers. But before we do that, today's episode of Locked on Panthers is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. You've heard me talk about this mobile game app, and if you've ever thought that you would make a good GM, you got to give this game a try. It's not as easy as you might think to create a dynasty. When you play Ultimate Football GM, you get to control and manage every strategic aspect of your team as you play through seasons and lead your team to glory trying to build a historic dynasty with ultimate football gm you're responsible for controlling the destiny of your franchise by hiring the right coaches and coordinators managing all the finances including negotiating player salaries and terms navigating your franchise through free agency the draft injuries players as personnel issues and all the ups and downs of the season all of this in a challenging and realistic game world ultimate football gm is completely free and playable offline play on the go as you want and when you want to locked on panthers listeners get a 100 free boost to their franchise when using the promo code locked on in the game store that's locked on in all caps so make sure to check it out today to download the game just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up in the app store that's ultimate-gm.com ultimate football gm start your dynasty today cj stroud or bryce young a question we're going to ask ourselves for the next five weeks as the carolina panthers lead up to the 2023 nfl draft taking place in kansas city on april 27th through the 29th but on the night of the 27th we will finally at long last, have our answer on who the Carolina Panthers next, fingers crossed, franchise quarterback will be here in Carolina. And, of course, with that, we're going to have five weeks of mock draft 3.0, 4.0, 5.0, 17.0. Who knows how many point .0s and maybe even point .2s or 1s we might see from some of these men like Daniel Jeremiah, Mel Kuyper Jr., who both came out with mock draft 3.0. And I will say, these guys are kind of slacking. How are we right here? nine, ten days in a free agency, and you've only come out with three mock drafts. Now, I did say send every mock draft to hell. Now, with Daniel Jeremiah and Mel Kuyper Jr., these guys are actually plugged in to this cottage industry of predicting what's going to happen in the draft and being, of course, mainly wrong. But either way, they get source information. They're on the ground talking to general managers, talking to head coaches, maybe even some owners, and trying to figure out, hey, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, who do you think you're going to take? Well, Jeremiah decides that he thinks right now, Mock Draft 3.0, can change his mind later, don't forget that, that the Carolina Panthers will take Bryce Young quarterback out of Alabama, saying the Panthers will do their homework on this year's top quarterback prospects over the next month as pro days are going on, but I believe Young is the best of the bunch and will emerge as their target. 
So that's Daniel Jeremiah's belief. That will be Bryce Young. Mel Kuyper Jr., who again, slacking mock draft 3.0, that's it. It should be at least at 7.0, says the Carolina Panthers will take C.J. Stroud, quarterback, Ohio State, saying that I'm leaning towards Stroud based on what I'm hearing. Again, source information there. He's super accurate, has impressed everyone throughout the pre-draft process, and is the ideal size profile of recent Frank Reich quarterbacks. He has a slight edge over Bryce Young based on fit. Now, remember on Monday, Frank Reich said, um, you guys need to stop trying to pigeonhole me and just stop trying to put this label on me that the only quarterbacks I'm going to take are guys who are like above 6'3", 6'4", 6'5". Like, that's not at all the case. Yes, he has mentioned before that Bryce Young's size is a little bit concerning, but he's also noted that he's more concerned about who can play the position, who can be accurate, who can lead the, the team, who can do all the little things throughout the week. It's not just about, oh, man, who's the biggest guy? Because if that was the case, then Anthony Richardson would be the no-doubt first-round pick. Could still be the guy. Or first overall pick. Could still be the guy they take. Could be Will Levis. Because you look at those guys, aren't they a little bit more physically imposing than both Stroud and Young? If we're just looking at pure traits and size... But, according to Daniel Jeremiah and Mel Kuyper Jr., neither one of them are worth the number one pick. And that's interesting because Mel Kuyper Jr., he has Will Levis at the top of his board. Now, from what he's hearing is he thinks the Panthers are leading towards Stroud. So, we'll see how that works out. As far as top of his board, I mean top quarterback the last time I checked. Maybe that changed. He's been pumping up Will Levis for months now, making every excuse in the book for Will Levis and why he struggled at Kentucky this past season. Plenty of them are actually reasons, but also... Mm, I don't see any excuses for anyone else. But either way, um, there we are. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. That's what Jeremiah and Kuyper think, respectively. That's all well and good. And I do believe that those are the top two guys. And I'd be totally fine with any of them. And if the Panthers draft Levis or Richardson, I'll also be like totally fine with it because I'm just going to sit here and hope and believe that Frank Reich and Scott Fitter are making the right decision and that this coaching staff can coach those guys up and get them to perform. Because if they don't, They'll be fired. I'll be talking about a bad football team. Tepper will be pissed. And we'll be right back in a situation probably four or five years from now. Now, hopefully that's not the case and they get the right guy, which I think is more likely going to happen if they go out and draft Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. Now, for me, and my peace of mind, I want them to take someone who's going to cause the least amount of debate once he's here in Carolina. And when looking at the two... I think it's fairly easy to say that C.J. Stroud would cause the least amount of controversy. I know someone just stopped and said, no, that's not true. C.J. Stroud is worse than Bryce Young. Okay. Take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. You have to make it through the next five weeks, and you cannot react that way. Looking at it, C.J. Stroud's accurate. He's gone out there and pressed everyone with the interviews, the way he's gone out there and just conducted himself through the combine where he was just launching it, and so was everybody else. But he's looked great. And you really go back to that Georgia game when there was a lot of questions about C.J. Stroud that were answered on that evening on New Year's Eve, and even in a loss, all you could say about C.J. Stroud was, okay, he's got everything that you're looking for. He's got the tools. Now, the only thing I feel that people are going to say about C.J. Stroud that's going to be negative about him is, oh, he went to Ohio State. And because Cardell Jones didn't become the guy and that Troy Smith didn't become the guy and that I guess, I mean, what, JT Barrett? Are we also, are we throwing him out there? He didn't even get drafted. I don't know. But for whatever reason, and Dwayne Haskins 
probably makes more sense. Rest in peace, who did not pan out at all in Washington. And I don't know how much of that was just his overall play, but also some of the issues that he had just, you know, maturity-wise coming up and playing in the NFL. Again, rest in peace to Dwayne Haskins. People look at Ohio State for whatever reason. Ohio State's like never had a quarterback that's come out to the NFL and been and a star. I don't really understand how that's the case. I do see a point that people would make is that Ohio State overwhelmingly has more talent than anyone that they face in the Big Ten, and that has always been the case and will always be the case, and that it allows guys like Stroud to have plenty of time, and he has the best receivers in college football to throw to. It's just insane. You lose a guy like Jackson, Jackson Smith and Jigba basically the entire season. Like It's not even that. Like Go back to the year before with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, and look at what they did this past year, Garrett Wilson being the offensive rookie of the year and Chris Olave being great in New Orleans with the Saints, they didn't play in the Rose Bowl. And then Jackson Smith and Jigba has a Rose Bowl uh, receiving record in that game. And Stroud's out there slinging it to him. And then you look at the past year with Jackson Smith and Jigba not being healthy, Marvin Harrison Jr. steps up, and he even looked good in that Rose Bowl having two touchdowns against Utah the year prior. You have that guy, you got Abuka. It's loaded, man, at Ohio State. And they're bringing in like three of the top uh, wide receivers in this class that you signed. It's insane the kind of talent they have at Ohio State. So I can see the point that they make, but it's not what they ever say. What they say is, oh, he's an Ohio State quarterback, he can have success. They don't say the reason why they don't think he would have success. They're just like going out there and ripping off of this lazy talking point that's been used against Justin Fields and Dwayne Haskins, and now it's going to be used against C.J. Stroud. So that's the only controversy, and I can easily just say, oh, well, you're just a moron. You don't even know what you're even trying to say other than like, oh, well, I see Ohio State quarterbacks having that success. You haven't really looked at it. You haven't been able to just separate the quarterback from the other guys. And if you can't separate C.J. Stroud from Justin Fields and from the other Ohio State quarterbacks, then you're just, like, not worth my time if you're going to say something as dull as that. Now, with Bryce Young, the controversy will come down to his size and how he weighed in at 5'10", or 204, and he weighed, he's waiting at 204, and he's at 5'10", 5'11". I can't remember which one it is. He's smaller than me. Again, I told you on the show yesterday, I'm 6'1", 208. I'm bigger than Bryce Young as far as the pounds and the height. Now, he's definitely going to be stronger than me. I would imagine he would because I can't go out there and play an SEC football game, let alone go out and play in the National Football League, which he's going to get an opportunity to do this coming fall. I like Bryce Young. I agree with Daniel Jeremiah right now that I think the Panthers should take him and that maybe they'll emerge with him being the top guy. And then number two, C.J. Straub. We'll see. It's only March 22nd. I can change my mind. Daniel Jeremiah can change his mind. You can change your mind. It's going to take some time. I just look at the controversy of it all. And there really should be controversy. People should just be happy and get behind whoever the draft pick is, whether it's Levis or Richardson or Stroud or Young. But just looking at it, I feel like out of the top four, Levis is probably at the bottom. Then it's Richardson just based off of traits. And you think you move it to number one. All right, if you do that, why not take a shot at the guy like that who has the kind of athleticism that just rarely ever seen at that position? And then after that, it would be probably Young, then Stroud. Maybe flip-flop them, but we know who the top two are. I feel like if C.J. Stroud gets taken, there's going to be less people out here being like, oh, it's not going to work than if it's Bryce Young. So that's just one of the thoughts I had when I saw the mock draft with Daniel Jeremiah saying that Bryce Young is a pick and then Mel Capper Jr. saying that C.J. Stroud is the pick. In five weeks, we'll find out. It's going to be a long 
five weeks. All right, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Lockdown Panthers podcast, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, hosted by yours truly, Julian Council. Again, y'all subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. And follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter, at Julian Council. We're on Friday. I'll be back here to answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions, either at me or DM me. If you'd like to participate in this week's edition of the weekly Friday mailbag on Lockdown Panthers. In the meantime, be safe. Be happy, be whole, as always, keep pounding, and I'll talk to y'all on Thursday.